Welcome to our weekly and Episcopal Sermon podcast. We are so glad you found us. This is a live recording of the gospel reading and sermon from last Sunday's service at the Episcopal Church in Almaden. The life of this podcast depends on your listening support. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to support us, simply subscribe to this podcast on your channel of choice. Come, join us along our shared path for today's episode. It's according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David by the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under my feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope today that you have, this week, received an email from George Romer, our stewardship chair, talking about our pledge campaign for this year, which theme is Thanksgiving. If you haven't received that email, we'll send it to you, and you will be receiving a letter in the coming days about this pledge campaign, about our stewardship drive. On Sunday, the 19th of of November, which is the Sunday just before Thanksgiving, we will have our in-gathering of pledges and give thanks for for those financial contributions, and we will bless those pledges in our traditional in-gathering. Today, we are doing an in-gathering, and actually for the next week, are doing an in-gathering of birthday cards for this church, because November 1st is the birthday of this church, which turns 56 years old on Wednesday. Not just this congregation, but the joint venture together turns 56 years old on this Wednesday. And so this coming Friday at the first Friday potluck, the cards, which you can, the birthday cards, which you can offer today or anytime this week or on Friday, will be opened and a birthday display will be created for all of us to celebrate. We'll have a basket in the narthex as well if you'd like to bring a card this week. So it seems appropriate to begin a conversation about Thanksgiving and stewardship by considering the holiest conversation of all, which is what we know as prayer. You know that our Jewish siblings understand that God's name is so holy that it may not be uttered out loud. 
We, on the other hand, have many names for God. And to confer, converse with God is to speak and communicate, yes, with that which sometimes we call the more, the more, what that which we cannot imagine. We have also our many names for God. Prayer is to live with God in the deep intimacy which we often find with another person. Prayer is often called a response to God, and to think of prayer in the widest sense is to understand that this intimacy involves interior knowledge, personal communication and relationship, and the actions that emanate from that relationship. Prayer is expressed in words and thoughts and in all the myriad ways that words and thoughts are expressed. St. Augustine famously said, and this is directed to our musicians, and I know that you know this quotation, but I want everyone to hear it. St. Augustine famously said, the one who sings prays twice. The one who sings prays twice. And every one of us can sing, no matter what our ability, um, using our body as an instrument, as the vehicle of prayer, the incarnation of us as instruments of God's grace and glory. Prayer also happens in deep silence, beyond words. To understand prayer as a response and not as a, an offering, prayer is, is often a, 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 an offering. I think it's Annie Lamott who famously has a book called, what is it called, Help, uh, Thank You, Help, something like that. Thank You, Help, and something else. And wow, help, thanks, and wow. Annie Lamott has, those are prayers. Help, thanks, and wow, those are prayers. But what is also a prayer is a, also a way of understanding prayer is to understand as a response of us. This asks us, this way of understanding prayer asks us to orient ourselves first towards God who prays first, offers first, forgives first, beckons first, and our God who invites us to respond. So this fundamental orientation of God inviting and the people responding serves as a means of transformation for a community. To grasp this simple but profound truth is to understand ourselves, the people of ECA, as the praying community sent here by God in 1967 to become the body of Christ in this place, along with our UCC joint venture partners. And we can revisit our history. Indeed, I think you have done that over these last months. We can revisit our history as a congregation as one clue to our calling. We can find ways to paint a picture of who we are now, which you have done in your parish profile, as a praying community to describe a fuller way of being. We can be ever clear about who our neighbors are in this place, who we are called to serve. But fundamentally, prayer is our conversation with God and with each other that changes us, invites people to come join here, builds community, and builds the church. 
The scientist, scientist and author Margaret Wheatley says, quote, there is no power equal to a community discovering what it cares about. Real change begins with the simple action of people talking about what they care about with God and with each other. This is what a life in prayer in community is about. So what are we praying for as a community? I've, I'm really the newest person here, so uh, it's hard for me to offer a an adequate explanation of what we are praying for here. Part of it is what the founders of this church, which letter you can find out downstairs, you can find the letter of the founding families of this church, November 1st, 1967. What were their hopes and dreams and prayers for this place? So as I mentioned in my midday, um, midweek email this week, think about what you were doing in 1967. Now, some of us were not around in 1967, but we know what was happening in the world in 1967. So just we're going to do this just to orient ourselves. And we haven't done this before. I, th I think I tried it a couple weeks ago. You know, I like to have this back and forth, and I think you like it too, but we just have to have a couple of brave souls to start out to, to say something. What were you doing in 1967? Anyone? What were you doing in 1967? You were babbling, just a few months old. I love that. You had just started senior school. You were 12 years old. <laughs> Did you hear that? The dumping her sister out of the cradle so she could crawl back into it. What else? What else was happening in 1967? Living in Washington, D.C., chasing children. Yep. Worried about George being drafted to Vietnam. Yep, thank you. Pregnant with first child. What else? <laughs> Living in Delhi in India. Beautiful. San Jose State with protests against the war. David, yeah, was a police officer. Very tricky time. New York University. Teaching and studying. I love that. In high school. Just finished two-year duty. Thank you. A brownie Girl Scout in Illinois. Who loves that? Anybody else? Second year of college. Watching the Vietnam War. I was nine years old, and I had just moved back from spending two years in Hong Kong with my family. And it was very disorienting. I'd gone to an English school and 
in America, you don't stand up when the teacher walks in. So I was embarrassed when I came back to the United States. Coming back. I served for a long time at a church in Marin, and in 1967, there was a Carmelite convent, which is founded in a suburb of San Rafael called the Carmel of God, and they were sent there to pray for the conversion of Russia. That was their mission. They were an enclosed convent to pray for the conversion of Russia. Mm -hmm. It's important to notice, thank you for all of this. This is so informative, right? This is what was happening when this church was founded. That's, this is what was happening, all of these things around the world. And what's important, I think, in the scripture today to notice is that we have today the, the scripture that tells us that Moses did not get to go into the promised land. Didn't the reading say that his vision was unimpaired and his vigor was continuing and he died? There's something so important about that to say that a lot of what we do here and now is for the future. Yes, it's for us today. But can you imagine the people who started this church on All Saints Day in 1967, what, what they could have imagined was happening in 2023? It's unbelievable. So there's something so important about that looking forward that what we're doing today is both for us and we are the recipients of that which people before us have done here. So just to go back to talking about prayer for a moment, prayer which, in which we can offer ourselves in a humble and open attitude, in a stance which, in which we ask, perhaps our prayer is for conversion or deeper understanding for conversation. This focus of our prayer is essential because when we have this open view, this open orientation, vulnerable, willing to change, it's not difficult to encounter the living God who, who transforms and strengthens and heals us, both individually and as a congregation. An opening is created which invites God to work in us all the things that we pray for. God's mercy, God's power, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's empowering. So today we hear in the gospel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we go about pondering our own commitments in all ways to this congregation during our coming pledge weeks and stewardship weeks, let us pray to be faithful stewards of your great bounty, O God, for the provision of our necessities and the relief of all who are in need. To the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on An Episcopal Sermon Podcast. 
May this episode inspire you to apply lessons from these teachings to your everyday life. If you found inspiration in this episode, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast through the channel of your choice and spread the word. If you would like to see the full service from which today's sermon was drawn, visit our YouTube channel linked in the show notes of this episode. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to donate any amount to our listeners' support on Anchor or visit the donation page on our website, www.churchinalmaden.org slash donations.